My name is Emma. I own the Daisy Chain and run music and movement programs for aged care and disability facilities. I'm going to share how to find fun, purpose and connection in that stage of life that others think is boring, dull and pointless. If you would like to know how we shine a light on the fun, vibrant, full lifestyles of the aged care residents and disability clients, stay with me as I share the stories of human connection. This is Emma from the Daisy Chain podcast. Thank you for listening in. I'm very excited to have on this afternoon Kay, who is Oliver's mum. So we've recently done a podcast with Oliver um, called Being Oliver, and then we actually renamed it Too Many Steps because that seemed to be the theme of the conversation. Uh, But Kay is going to chat with me today about um, obviously having a child with a disability and then having an adult child with a disability, some of the assumptions that people make and the the misconceptions um, around, you know, various challenges and conditions. So thank you, Kay, for joining us. Hi, thank you. My pleasure. I really appreciate you giving up your time on a Saturday afternoon. Um, As I said, we had an amazing chat with Oliver. Um, He was, you know, he's really articulate and uh, really helpful in educating people around, you know, making assumptions uh, based on what people see and hear. Um, So today what I'd like to do is just have a chat around, um, you know, when you found out that Oliver had a um, a disability, what that meant to you as a family, how you managed that um, with him growing up and now obviously as an adult as well. So First of all, are you able just to give us a little bit of a background about, um, you know, how you discovered that Oliver had a disability, what age he was and what that meant for you guys? Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. He um, he was what we thought normal when he was born. There didn't seem to be any problems at all. Um, and it was only at about nine months old really where things first started when I thought he had dandruff in his hair and um went to see doctors and no one really picked up anything. Um, So that just sort of went on without any treatment other than just, or cradle cap, they they said too. They said it it was cradle cap. Um, And then it went on to where he just started drinking just so much. He just kept drinking and his little tummy got distended and he was just, well, ended up being actually pretty much emaciated and went from doctor to doctor and finally, finally after lots of things going wrong, um, saw a a paediatrician who I'll I'll never forget. He told me that I had a child that was running my household and it was time I got him under control. That That was what he told me. But I just remembered before that he actually was a breath holder. Um... So he was sort of just particularly trying to get him into the car, into the car seat. That used to be just a nightmare. And at times he would seriously just hold his breath and go blue or white. And there was one occasion where we actually had to ring here um, for the for the GP to come and finally was taken to hospital. But still, there was still no final diagnosis from that. That was just sort of thought of as behavioural. But he was just sort of totally out of control. Anyway, um, Luckily, I had, um, I'm just trying to get my bearings on it all now, but um, we ended up, we ended up seeing, well, one one doctor, I can't remember who it was now, sent us to a psychiatrist because they really thought we were just a totally dysfunctional family. Um, I can't remember, I think it might have been the paediatrician, I can't remember. Anyway, um, we saw this psychiatrist, but luckily she, she was 
sensible and she must have known this guy who was a professor at Prince of Wales who was an endocrinologist and um, it was through him that we finally got a diagnosis which was, of course, an incredibly rare condition that no one had even heard of. We'd certainly never heard of it and it's called histiocytosis. Um, but but if I, sorry, I'm, I'm, I need to go back again because before that, before that diagnosis, with this, with this excessive drinking he was doing, he would, he would walk around drinking litres and litres of water. You know, we'd even gone to the local GP and, you know, wanted fluid balance charts done and all that sort of stuff, but no one really knew what they were talking about. Uh, went, to, went to Camperdown Hospital, had special tests done. It turned out that those tests were read incorrectly. Um, so that, that condition is actually called diabetes insipidus, which is totally different from sugar diabetes. It's got nothing to do with it. It's to do with pituitary in the brain. Um, but diabetes insipidus is always caused by something else, apparently, we learned. And that's how we finally got this diagnosis of histiocytosis, which, as I said, is incredibly rare. It can affect different parts of the body. And with Oliver, it, 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 we found out that it was the cerebellum in the brain and the mandible in, in the mouth. They were the two places where right. he had these histiocytes. So after that diagnosis, we then spent a whole year going backwards and forwards from Prince of Wales um, where Oliver had, had chemo, chemotherapy. Yeah. Um, but this was all just experimental drugs because no one really knew how, no one knew how to cure it. Well, there is no cure. There is no cure for this condition. So it was all just purely experimental. And so for the next, all through his primary school years, really, um, we were back and forth from Prince of Wales trying all sorts of different drugs. Wow. Yeah, so. Um, that that doctor, paediatrician, that said what uh, yeah. he said, I'm assuming it's a he, I shouldn't assume. No, um, it, it, it wasn't, yeah. How, obviously that's a, an awful thing to say to a parent that's desperately trying to find some answers to questions shocking, that you have no idea about. Yeah. A shocking thing. I'll never yeah. forget that line. No. But, you know, it's a shame. So many doctors, you know, over all these years now, just do not know how to listen to the parents who are the ones that really, really know what's going on. Yeah. You know, if they just bothered yeah. to take time and listen, they might, you know, they might have yeah. got there a bit sooner. Yeah. And do anyway. you think that's, is that ego? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. No, and just, ra rather than saying I actually don't know um, but I'm happy to help you find out, it's, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be behavioural. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I'm a neurotic mother, you know, um, don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I'd already had him as a breath holder, so I must have been doing something wrong at home, you know. It's, yeah. You know, it's yeah. all our fault. Yeah, wow. Because I often, I used to think, you know, if we'd have got it earlier, would we have, you know, stopped it going on any, but no one knows. It's, it's no. an incredibly rare condition. My husband yeah. used to go away every year uh, with the doctors around the world to the conferences to try and learn what was going on. Yeah, okay. Wow. So, and that, and that, we found that was rather interesting because then when we go to the hospitals, um, a lot of the doctors were a little bit um, put out or tested by the fact that my husband knew so much. Yeah. Yeah, well, and more power to you because yeah, you oh, absolutely. To educate yourselves, right? Absolutely. Well, you'll, yeah. you'll find that you'll find that with you know a lot of people yeah. will tell you they've sat on. I mean, this is before all the, as much internet as now. Of yeah, course, but um, yeah. yeah, no, I was pleased that he did all that. And, you know, yeah. through that we tried. We we had a great um, doctor over in in Europe somewhere. I can't remember where now. Um, she because Anthony would see her every year. You know, she'd keep in touch, and she was fantastic. You know, but. 
unfortunately, as I said, there is no cure for this condition um, and it is degenerative. Um, so then getting on again to Prince of Wales and to the paediatrician or the paediatrician, no, no, he wasn't a paediatrician, he was a neurologist. The neurologist we saw, um, we were sort of led to believe that by the time Oliver got to 15, you know, he would not be able to do much at all, pretty much. Right. And how's, how does that feel as a parent? I mean, I know how I would feel, but... Um... I, think at the, I think at the time when I was told that I was so busy doing everything anyway, you, you really didn't dwell on that very much yeah. because you just, it was just crazy times, just crazy yeah. times here, you know. And, but on the other side of that, you know, I look back now and think the younger, the younger years were easier than it is now, actually. Yeah. You've got other children? I've got one other son who's right. a couple of years older and, you know, just on that I remember because, you know, we used to go to Camperdown every week um, and I often didn't happen much but there was one particular day where he was supposed to be picked up by someone else from school and they forgot. Yeah. You know, so it's that whole sibling thing as well as to how, yeah. how on earth this affects them. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, so that the diagnosis came at three. Finally at three by a, a right. fantastic professor at, at Prince of Wales, yes, yeah. who, who knew all about histiocytosis. Right. And so how did primary school years look? Were you, was Oliver at a mainstream primary school? He started at our local school. Yeah. Well, he went to preschool before that. Okay. Um, and that was great. Um, the, the teacher there was fantastic. But, see, he wasn't in a wheelchair then and he could move yeah. and walk and um, that was all okay. Primary school was great. Um, as I say, started started at the local school but we decided in year three that it was time to sort of, because there's another school not far away that's got a special unit. Yeah. That was that was a good decision. That was a fantastic decision. Yeah. Because, you know, he could walk back then, but not not easily. So it was falling over. Yeah. Um, and this unit at, at not far from us, that was fantastic. I think yeah. that gave him a lot of... Um, So self-confidence, the one, yeah. a few of the teachers there were fantastic. They really were fantastic. And he, in, in some ways, he's too, he's too confident, you know. <laughs> um, he thinks he can do it. He thinks he can do anything. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. But yeah. hence leads me to hold my breath a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're the breath holder now. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm the breath holder now. Yeah, that's right. So Oliver and I briefly spoke about uh, when he needed to use a wheelchair um, and how, you know, that's that's hard for a boy that's approaching puberty to, to have that need. How did that affect well, all of you, I guess, um, emotionally at that time? Yeah, well, we did put it off for a while, because, you know, for, for all sorts of reasons, but we finally realised that it was what was necessary to give him his independence, actually, yeah. so yeah. that he wasn't going to fall over all the time. Yeah. Because, you know, he had a friend at school at, in the unit at that time who had cerebral palsy um, running around with a helmet on. Um, having said that, he's improved and he's fantastic now. But um, we realised it was the right thing to do. We just had yeah. to do it so yeah. that then he could get out yeah. on his own yeah. and be safe. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. and as a parent, that's that's your ultimate Oh, to be safe, it? exactly. To be safe. Yeah. And, and, and sort of to feel a bit more included as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, because you know what it's like in a school. He, he he only has but one vague memory of being bullied, and that was just here at the local school, which was nothing compared to lots of kids. Yeah. Um, but just in the unit, 
you had other kids to mix with because they used to go up sometimes in primary school and join the mainstream, but you could still see even, I mean, there's a lot of discrepancy on how mothers feel about yes. their kids being in mainstream and uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem I just I felt that the unit was the right place for yeah. him to be to be included yeah um and it was great because he did have in primary school was I think a fantastic time for him just a great time yeah great, and and high school really when I think about it because yeah. he went in high school he went to a special unit as well he stayed okay. in he stayed in special units yeah and that was that was fantastic School, yeah. I look back on it now and think school was easy. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's interesting. School was easy. Yeah. Because so, everything was available then too, you see. Everything, yeah. everything's there, you yeah. know. Although even as 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 time went by, some of the services at the schools were taken away, yep. which was a bit of a shame. But yeah. it really was a fantastic yeah. time for him. Yeah. So how old is Oliver now? He's 33. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So teenage years, obviously teenage years are challenging anyway. Um, is that um, magnified if, you know, you've got the, the ad- adapting to, to being in a wheelchair on top of the hormones raging? It was mainly the safety side of things, as I say. Um, he, he, he did have this good mate and they used to spend a lot of time together and we did let Oliver um, catch the train into the city um, and then my husband would go in at God knows what time and um, pick them up, you know, sometimes worse for wear and yeah. um, on, a, on occasions they weren't allowed into bars. They liked drinking, so they, yeah. you know, they were a pretty normal teenager. Yeah. They really were. Yeah. But as I say, I'm glad, I'm glad they did that really. I'm yeah. really glad they did that. Yeah. So they and and I think that's. That's you know amazing for you guys that you gave him the freedom and the the tools and support to be able to do that because I imagine like we were talking before about my daughter going off riding a skateboard. It's very hard to say, well, I need to know where you are and I need to know where you're going. I need to know who you're going to be with and you need to check in with me every fifteen minutes. And that's easy because we have technology. Um, but to just be able to go and like I was saying about my mum doing the same, my parents. Um, you know, be back by five and giving you that freedom to make mistakes and to stuff up and to learn what's okay and what's not okay. Absolutely. No, yeah. absolutely. And, and you know, and, you know, he's he's fancied a few girls along the way as well. Um, that's, you know, he, he does have a girlfriend now. Um, so, you know, in some ways, in some ways he's been, it, 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 it's, life hasn't been too bad for him really, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, it 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 it's hard because this this condition he has has affected every part of his body pretty much yeah. every part of his body. Yeah. Fine motor, gross motor, intellectual. Um, even now, I'm I'm in the process of because when I said this was in his mandible, we've had to have special dental treatments done over all the years, and um, I'm actually just literally right now in the process of trying to get back to Westmead Dental. Um, because his teeth are a problem and we, they hopefully will be able to treat it better than yeah. a, a normal dentist. Yeah. So, so you just, must spend a lot of time um, researching and enabling, uh, I guess through his whole life obviously, um, researching and enabling things to happen to make his life more manageable. 
Yeah, more researching before. Not, not, to admit, not so much researching now, really. Yeah. Um, organizing, I would imagine. Or, well, organizing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is my life. Yeah. That is seriously yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of people have support coordinators doing stuff because um, why support coordinators are on our mind is that we are in the process of doing the reports for um, independent living. Yeah, okay. Um, and that is that is huge. Yeah. Um, but up until now, I've I've pretty much organised everything. Yeah. Which is fine. That's 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 the way I I wanted. Yes. But it's it's ongoing, never stops, tiring. Yeah. Sometimes you think I just like to go on a holiday somewhere. Yeah. It, you know, because well, when he was little, he did go to respite. Yeah. You know, and he did like that. That was yeah. fine when he was little. That was good. Yeah. But as he got older, um, again, you know, you you put I put him in respite, and um, you'd find that he was they. That, a lot of the time the staff don't bother to think things through, so they end up putting him in with a group on for a weekend that were nonverbal. So yeah. that was that was sort of pretty pointless because yes. he would, you know, not be able to talk to anybody, which yeah. is what he's going there for. <laughs> yeah. So he'd end up yeah. trying to he'd end up chatting to the staff, which yeah. was fine, but you know, that's yeah. not really the whole idea of it. No. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you've got to be second second guessing. You've got to I find I just have to be thinking out of the square all the time and just anticipating things all the time. And you must get exhausted. I mean, as, uh, a, as Oliver, as an adult, as and as a child, um, like you said, school in hindsight was probably maybe even easier, I guess, because you know where he is from nine till three every day. Yeah, um, and it's all organised for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so who looks after you? <laughs> yeah, that was the answer. <laughs> I had a few counselling sessions which proved to be useless, but, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. Do you try and make time for yourself or yourself and your husband? Oh, look, 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 it? now, look, he's out, look, he's out every day, you know, yeah. now that now that we're we're pretty back to normal pretty much. Yeah. You know, he's out during the day, but it's like yeah. school months. It's the same yes. deal, you know, nine yeah. to three. Yeah. 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 Um, it's just, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just sad that he doesn't have lots of friends to be able to go out with and socialise with on the yeah. weekend and all that sort of stuff. That's yeah. that's what's hard. So yeah. we try and keep him busy with all the extracurricular stuff, really. Yes, which is actually going to talk about next because when we spoke, um, he was telling me all the things he does. So there's the wheelchair training and wheelchair football or rugby, um, the dance, which is obviously how I met him, um, the boxing. Um, I know he does, you know, works a couple of days a week. Um of all of those things, like why why do you encourage him to do those? What does he get? I mean, because for us the benefits may be obvious, um, but for people that might be listening, maybe they're not so obvious. So why? What is it about those things that is the reason that he does? Well, the hugely important thing is stimulation. Really, yeah, absolutely has to be stimulated. You know, um, work because he always dreamed of wanting to go to work. You know, yeah. he always wanted to work. Yeah, so works ended up. I, in, in, in supported employment, just packing. And, you know, I cringe every time he asks me how much he's getting an hour, you know, because it's $3. Yeah, wow. You know, and to, to, for him to hear that, you know, I, I try not oh, to goodness. dwell on it, to be honest. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a shock to me, to be honest. It's disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. And, you know, with, with, um, with NDIS, I mean, the joke is that you're sort of, we're paying out money for him to go there 
so that they sort of have supervisors. Um, and then he gets three dollars an hour for for what he's doing. And what are the supervisors being paid? Who knows? Yeah, and and I mean, oh, most rightly so. Of, mostly not a lot of money, but you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's pretty disgusting. But work is huge. He 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 needs. I mean, I know he he, he needs to feel proud of something. Yes. You know. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the, his condition, he he can't excel in anything particularly. You know, which is you know every, we all want our kids to to feel good at doing something. You know. Yes. Yeah. So that's very hard. That yeah. is very hard. Yeah. You know, because often I I he does like to boast, um, and like he he does a drama group. And they actually, they actually have a room at NIDA. So he loves to tell everybody he goes to NIDA. You know. <laughs> well, he does. Yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, you, and then I sort of try and play it down. And like my husband says, you know, you've got, you've, he's got to feel good about something. So yeah. you know, you've got to let it be sometimes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then his day programs that he goes to, I mean, there again, you know, a lot of these places leave a lot to be desired, you know, depending on the staff, like anywhere, like yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Um, how much time they give them. But as yeah. I say, the stimulation is it's just so important. Because yeah. I know when he sits here at home, you know, totally lethargic. Yeah. You know? And yeah. he's someone that doesn't have a lot of hobbies. So it does need to be structured. Yeah. So it's extremely important. Yeah. Well, I know for myself, if I don't move every day or I don't do something that engages my brain and my body, then that energy level starts to drop drastically. Exactly. So exactly. it's it's the same for everyone. And you've got to have a reason to get up in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Really absolutely. so important for everyone. Yeah. yeah. How did, I don't want to dwell on COVID because I think so much conversation happens around COVID yeah, at the yeah. moment, but how big an impact did that have on like his activities and your life as a family? First time around wasn't so bad because everything didn't get shut down. Yeah. Work, work continued, which was fantastic, and one of his programs continued. But this time around, from the 30th of June or whatever it was, that was a huge shock. Yeah. Um, but all I can say is thank God for Zoom because that, mm. that really did fill the hole. That was, yeah. that was great. And yeah. he's still got um, one or two things on Zoom now. Yeah. Um, so that has been a godsend, yeah. an absolute godsend. Yeah, I agree. It's been an amazing way for people to stay connected. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's been incredible. Even for his, um, even for his exercise, yeah. You no, know, we we could we we did some on Zoom, and then we actually went in and found some other exercises online. Yeah, good. You know, for him to do because yeah. he, he wasn't going to the gym, of course. Yeah. Um. That's only he's only actually just gone back to one of the gyms just this week. That's the first time. Yeah. And hydrotherapy he's done all his life. We're still not back there. We're still not back there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. So we were talking recently before today about uh some of the challenges that come up um just the nature of um oliver being in a wheelchair and obviously his speech being affected um and we spoke earlier about you know accessibility for the wheelchair steps you know if you've got to push him um and there's no dip in the curb obviously that makes it hard for you um and as you get older as parents your physical strength is probably not as much as it was 20 years ago um, and they're all things that have to be taken into account. Um, what, what are the biggest challenges with accessibility, do you think? Well, you know, he, he can catch public transport. He has caught trains, but having said that, he's actually had huge accidents on trains as well yeah. where he ruptured an eye socket for one to oh. once. Um, 
that's and and you see again because of his condition, um, it's harder. You know, like for some people, it's not so difficult getting even if, if, if you even bother to look at the ramp to get up to a train. It's 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 not easy. You know, or to come back down off off because he's no. actually come back down off the ramp too fast and gone head over heels. You know, it's because they're too steep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because there is a special gradient you're supposed to have, but yeah. it must me- it must meet it, but only just I think sometimes. Yeah. And even sometimes one of one of the bus stops just here where he used to get off the bus, there wasn't even a, a, a footpath. He got off onto grass. There's just so many things people don't mm. think about. Just yeah. so many things. Or you know, um, just there was somewhere recent. Oh, I know. I, I just a week or so ago, I. He actually has had a, a mole that I had looked at um, and it was so I I thought I'd take him to this place near where he works because I as I drove past it all looked flat, all flat. The car park thought, brilliant, this is wheelchair accessible, all good. So I go in and say, can I make an appointment? And then I said, oh, for, it's for my son who's in a wheelchair. And I said, oh, 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 well, we'll have to move all the cars out and he'll have to come. I said, and I wasn't in a good mood anyway. Anyway, so... Um, I said, you've got to be joking. Because this place isn't all that old. I thought you couldn't possibly do, do this and not make it accessible. No. And the fact was you had to go at a certain time, you had to move all the cars out and they had to get in the back way to let him in in a wheelchair. And then they said, oh, we do see other people in wheelchairs. Wow. And in the end I just ended up taking him to my local GP. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. I've interviewed Mel Harrison. Do you know Mel? Do you know Mel? No, I don't. No. Um, she is in a wheelchair. Her business is um, setting low, reaching high, um, but she actually does kind of audits of accessibility for things like hotels and yeah. um, you know leisure and recreation. And there's so many things that you know they'll say yes, it's wheelchair accessible, but then there's a step to get in the shower. People um, don't have a people. No, do not have a clue. No. They or, don't. Or understand. the kitchen. The kitchen benches are wheelchair height, but then the kettle is in the back corner, which you actually can't reach if you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, you know, we really need to have people that, that are in wheelchairs assessing these places and saying, "Well, no, because you might think that you can reach that from sitting there, but I'm telling you, from my angle." I can't get to that. Or why is that PowerPoint all the way up there to plug my laptop in? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's. And, it's, and you know, relying on lifts. I mean, even that, you know, yeah. he got off a train sometimes and said, oh, I had to go to the next station because the, the lift wasn't working. I mean, wow. it's mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah, that's disgraceful. It's just, I and, mean, I know things just, break down, you yeah. know. And, oh, and that's right, even even for a disability thing, we went to a dance thing a little while ago. It was in an old building in the in the West. Um, we get there. Um, they talked about it all week. Um, we get there on, it was a Saturday. The lift was broken. This yeah. is a really old building. Excellent. We had to, my husband and I, walk him up the steps, the two of us, and then carry the wheelchair up after us because there was no other way. There really was no other way to get him up there. And this is for an, like an all abilities concert? It was a little, it was a, a workshop. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there was yeah, no right. way the council were coming on the weekend to fix it. No. It was hilarious. Wow. Um, <laughs> we could have a whole conversation just yeah. about that. Go on. Um, <laughs> the other thing that we spoke about before was um, the, I guess, the way that people treat Oliver or other people with disabilities based on their own 
level of comfort and um, open-mindedness, if you want. Um, as, you know, particularly we were talking about Oliver's speech um, and how for some people they struggle to understand him. So rather than educate and make the effort themselves and and look inside themselves, they just cut off that part of, you know, needing to converse with him. Is that something that obviously it's because we, we've talked Abs- about absolutely. it before. Absolutely. You, know, yeah. you know, there's some people, some people are good at making time and wanting to chat, but you really do find that a lot of people are just too busy um, running around, um, hear something, can't really be bothered to ask again what they said, or maybe, maybe some people are embarrassed. Maybe some people are embarrassed that they don't understand and don't know how to, what to do next. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it is, you know, it, it has to be almost degrading sort of to feel that, you know, people just, and sad mm. for people not to want to talk to you, you yeah. know. Yeah. You just, and and for, for, for Oliver, he loves chatting. Yeah. So even though he isn't very good at, going into a deep conversation, just loves chatting to people, loves saying hello to people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I said to him when we spoke earlier, I said I, one of the first things that I noticed today was as soon as we connected on Zoom, he said, hello, how's your day? What have you been doing? And, I, you know, I'm a fully aware that that's probably something that you've worked on with him and, and remind him of, whether today or whether over the years. Um, but he was better at initiating that that initial hi how are you conversation than some of my friends are who just launch straight into talking about themselves oliver will always ask how yeah. someone is always yeah. and what have they done today yeah that's beautiful. always yeah. yeah and i feel like he's genuinely interested he's not saying it because he's absolutely he's, he absolutely. actually wants to know um, he is lucky that he's such a very happy he, he's a he's a he's so good natured i mean yeah. it's just amazing really yeah and i think that's um that's helped him too, you know. Yeah. He, he's he doesn't have any behavioural issues, and yeah. he never really never really gets angry. Actually, yeah. except with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's every child and parent because you're yeah, the safe exactly. place. Exactly. They know they know that with you, the the walls can come down, and the yeah. you know they can they don't have to hold it in because they're safe with you. So yeah, I which is the way I'd rather it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. take it take it out on me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, If you, I asked Oliver this question too, if you, if there was one thing or one piece of advice or one thing you could say to people that may not have experienced being with or conversing with a person with, with a seen or an unseen disability, um, what, what would you say? I'd say try and have a little bit of patience, try and take the time to stop, and actually bother to, to, even if you don't really, make just make a little effort to care for, for a few minutes. Put yourself in their shoes and think, well, thank God, you know, I am so lucky to be where I am. You know, I just often think that people just walking, you know, we all just take it for granted and think nothing of it. Yeah. And, you know, it is huge. Yeah. You know, huge. Yeah. And, and I assume like we were talking before when people don't want to have the conversation or don't know how to have a conversation, um, as a parent, how does that make you feel if, if Oliver's trying? Because I'm sure with family and friends you've had to go through that process and you probably, you probably have lost friends or people that you thought were friends along the way. 
Um, is that something that you've experienced? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's not many people, there's really not many people that actually sit and really try to have a conversation. There really aren't. People, just like you said earlier when he says, hi, how are you? People are just too busy with their own little lives, really. Um, it, it, it's isolating. It's very isolating. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think in some ways it's more isolating for me than it is him really. Yeah. Know? I would, um, yeah, I would say. Yeah, it, it is um, because you, we're not living the sort of, I don't know, I don't sometimes wonder if I'm not handling it very well, but I, I just, you know, I often find that I don't really want to talk to lots of people because I don't want to hear what they're all doing because they're all going on holidays. And, you know, we, we've done lots of things, don't get me wrong. We've been to all sorts of places and, and I have my husband to thank for that really because yeah. he's, he's the gung-ho one that's pretty much put that in Oliver and his, and his brother anyway. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. But, you know, we do our best. Yeah. You know. Is it, is it kind of a double-edged sword that obviously you want to talk about, we all want to talk about our children, but is it, does it get to the point where that's like it's all you talk about? It depends who you're talking to, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, it's not, I, I don't talk about him to many people really. Yeah, okay. So I tend not to really talk about it much at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. That's my way of handling it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else that you would like to, to touch on or talk about that I haven't thought of? Well, the, the only big thing is, is the future. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is huge. That is huge. Yeah. And, you know, um, like I said, we're, we're in the process of <sighs> it's a long road, but yeah. to get to where we independent, not, yeah. well, not independent living, um, supported living. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and we, we, are, we are getting old. And, and when you don't have a big family, it's a huge, it's just huge to think of how the hell that's all going to be managed, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's interesting. This keeps coming up. I've done probably four interviews the last week for the podcast and it, it actually doesn't matter. I've spoken with... Um, Carrie from Dementia Darlings, who works with people that care for people with dementia. I've spoken with a funeral director. I've spoken with yourself um, and I've spoken with a couple of other people. And the, the theme that keeps popping up is that we have to plan and organise and be prepared before we get to the point where we need it. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. Most, most people wait till it's too late Um and then by the time it's too late, we're emotional and we are reactionary and we're not proactive and we're, we're volatile and, and it's, it's too much to deal with. Um, but with all of those things, whether it's dementia or death or, you know, caring for an adult child, ad, adult child with disabilities, as hard as it is and as horrible it is to have those conversations and obviously what you're going through now, uh, there is actually no choice and we, we need to deal with it before we need to deal with it. There absolutely is no choice, and I sort of see it now that I'll be totally irresponsible if I'm. I mean, we've still got a long way to go, um, but to to not have anything in place would be terrible. Yeah, would be just terrible. Yeah, I would feel. You know, I would feel totally disgusted with myself if I hadn't hadn't sorted that out. Yeah, well, and it's the same as we were saying before about you know you you prepare them to be able to be 
sufficient and independent and all the rest of it. And, and that's what you've spent your life doing yeah. for Oliver and your other son. So you, you can't stop doing that now. Well, see, that's the dream, isn't it, that you want your children to be able to look after themselves. Yeah. But unfortunately, Oliver's never going to be in that situation yeah. where he can do that himself. Yeah. So we've really got to get these things in place. Yeah. Because there's yeah. no one else to rely on. No, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate time. I appreciate hey, your honesty and openness. It's been beautiful. So thank you. Well, I hope it helps anyway. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very My much. My pleasure. Thank you. My name's Emma. I'm from The Daisy Chain and thank you so much for listening to The Daisy Chain Podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, www.thedaisychain.com. You can also visit our Facebook or Instagram page.